All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're grateful to everyone that's here today. Most of you have heard this story before, but I want to share it again for the purpose of this message. And uh, for those of you who have not heard this, the, well, the start of this story, uh, you can go back and listen to it uh, in its entirety on um, the modern day of Jonah on that message that was preached is on YouTube. Um, On December 24th, 1994, I was listed as AWOL uh, from the Navy. And uh, of course, that, that I went AWOL months before then. Uh, and the backdrop of that story, I didn't go AWOL just because I didn't feel like being in the Navy. Uh, I got a call from my brother, the one who would come up here to visit. Uh, he wanted me to be the best man in his wedding and I told them yeah I'd be the best man and then I put in for leave to go and they they denied the leave and then I thought okay well I'll bite that bullet so then I, I called um, my stepdaddy who at that time was divorced from my mother uh, he had him my mother and he they were married I guess for about six years or so and uh, he had a lot to do with raising me and so I called him and um, uh, I think his caretaker had answered the phone and I could hear him in the background coughing and uh, she said he was pretty sick. She said uh, they gave him six months to live and then she asked me, do you want to talk to him? I said, no, I don't. I don't. I'll just talk to him a little later. So um, I put in for leave to go see him and my thinking was I'll go see him for the last time. And, uh, you know, since they'd given him six months to live, and uh, they denied it. And uh, so with me, that was the last straw. And so I went AWOL and uh, went to the, he uh, ended up dying that same year, and I went to his funeral. And uh, my thought was, well, you know, after the funeral, then I'll, uh, I'll, um, he died in that November, and uh, so my thought was after the funeral, then I'll go and go back to the Navy. But when I called one of my friends uh, who was still in the Navy back in San Diego where we were stationed, uh, he told me, he said, he said uh, Bolden, he said, they've already court-martialed you. They've already had your trial, and they've given you uh, the full penalty of what they could give you in what they call a special court-martial which was six months in prison, $555 of my paycheck. Um, I want to say it was every pay period uh, for six months. And then uh, what they call a bad conduct discharge. So that's what I got, what they call it. And it was nicknamed the Big Chicken Dinner, bad conduct discharge. 
So they did all of that while I was gone because they knew if I'd ever got back and actually went to court myself and I, and I shared with the powers that be, I put in for all these different leaves, not because I just felt like going on vacation, but things were going on in my family, then somebody would have had to answer for that. So they court-martialed me while I was AWOL and uh, held the court-martial, held the court while I was gone, if you could imagine that. Yeah. And so um, I called my sister, in fact, the one whose birthday it is today, Lena, and uh, told her what, what was going on. And she said, you know, I said, well, I'm going I'm to have to go and go back. And then she said, well, you might as well, you know, since they can't give you no more time than what they've already given you, since they've given you six months already and they can't do no more than that, you might as well go ahead and stay for Christmas. So I thought, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll go ahead and stay for Christmas. It's another month, so I'll go ahead and stay. They can't give me no more than what they've already given me. So on Christmas Eve, I was, I'd got off from work. At the time, I was working at Burger King. And... Uh, one of my aunties, uh, she was driving to Lake Charles to visit another aunt of mine. That's where Christmas was being held that year. And um, uh, so we started off driving. I was in the back seat sleep because I had worked all day. And uh, so she was driving. It was a few of us in the vehicle with her. And uh, so we're driving and Somewhere around Hammond, because it was about it was going to be about a three and a half hour drive, and somewhere around Hammond, I woke up in that back seat and I looked up and I saw an angel standing in the middle of the street. And without him opening his mouth, he said, "Just let things happen the way that they're going to happen." And so I immediately after hearing that, I fell back asleep. I don't know if I fainted from what I saw or if I was just sleepy. But I, I fell back asleep, and about an hour, maybe 30 minutes away from Lake Charles, I was awakened by a loud sound like blowout. One of my aunts, uh, her tire had went flat, her, one of her tires on her vehicle. So um, she pulled over into this gas station and uh, we got out, and I said, you have a hole in your tire. I said, in this, I checked the spare tire, and it was flat. Now, it was not flat when we left. When, growing up, I was taught, before you go on long trips, you check your water, you check your oil, you check your flat, your, your spare tire. You do all of that before you get on, you know, before you get on your on the road there. So that's what I did and everything was fine. Flat, the tire was not flat, the spare. But when we, when that tire blew out uh, that was on a vehicle, when I checked the spare, you know, my thinking was, well, no problem, we got a spare. It was flat. So then she said, well, you know, it's got a hole in the tire. We were able to find where the hole was. And she said, well, you know, let's, um, why don't we go get some gum? Some gum should be able to patch it up. Yes, ma'am. So they went on in the store, bought everybody that was in the vehicle a pack of gum, and we're all standing on the side of the vehicle chewing gum. And I'm taking the gum. Now I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest male there. Uh, you know, I'm the oldest, and I might have been the only man there. So we're all chewing gum, 
and stuffing it in the tire. They, in fact, they're chewing their gum and giving it to me, and I'm stuffing it in there. We just now, of course, I'm a man. I'm not crazy. I don't change plenty of flat tires. I know this gum ain't going to hold up at all. It's, it's a stupid idea. But it wasn't stupid when I saw the angel in the road, and he told me just let things happen the way that they're going to happen. What he was telling me was keep your mouth shut. It's going to be some stuff that happened. And if you want God to move in this situation, you're going to have to let it happen. Don't, do not get in the way of what God is wanting to do. Just let things happen. Now, that's what I took from all that. His only words to me was, just let things happen the way that they're going to happen. But when that tire blew out and we are on the side of the road and my aunt, you know, it comes up with this idea of chewing gum to fix it. I knew that they wasn't going to fix it. But in the back of my mind, I know what I just heard the Lord tell me. Let things happen the way that they're going to happen. Now, b before then, if the Lord had not stepped in that night, she'd have had an argument on her hands. You're crazy. This, this, I'm not, don't, don't waste your money buying gum. You y'all stop chewing that gum. This ain't gonna work. So, of course, I had to let her see for herself that it didn't work. And then she said, "Well, uh, John Bolden, you wanna, you wanna drive?" Yes, ma'am. I'll get on that interstate at 11 o'clock at night and drive down it with a flat tire. I, I sure will. So that's what we did. Now, the old me, nowhere in the world. Before I saw the angel standing there, no way in the world. That's your flat tire. We're gonna see, either you gonna drive or we're gonna sit here until something else happens. But no, I'm not driving your <laughs> what they call them hoopties back in the day. I'm not doing it. So we take off driving. I drive for about 30 minutes. We can only go 20 miles per hour, of course, to keep you know the rest of the car from tearing up. Then we get pulled over by the police. Right, right when we entered into Lake Charles. I, I knew we were going to get pulled over. I, you know, wasn't no doubt in my mind, you don't get on I-10 doing 20 miles per hour with a flat tire and not get pulled over. I also knew I was AWOL and there was a federal warrant out for my arrest. But I have to be obedient to what that angel told me. I'm the one that's driving. Now, you keep in mind, all of this is in my mind up front. I, I didn't just start thinking about it after I started driving. I knew this is dangerous and this, there's no way in the world I'm going to make it past this. So I, we get pulled over. The police officer, he asked for my license. At that time, now I, I had a license, but I, for whatever reason, I didn't have it on me. And he ran my name my social, by the social security number. And he saw that I did, you know, have a valid driver's license, but I did not have it on me. My aunt, in the meanwhile, is running her mouth, you know, because she's dirty all the way around. And what I mean is, tags expired, no insurance, no inspection sticker. Yeah, riding dirty. Now, of course, I know all of this, but I'm going to let things happen the way they're going to happen. He ends up giving my auntie several tickets. 
really, and he let her know it's because you're running your mouth. I'd let you go, but since you like to talk, I'll write. And then he told me, he said, I I'm going to give you a citation, basically a warning and for your, because you were driving with no license. He said, now I see where you want it, but because you've been so pleasant, I'm going to let you go spend Christmas with your family. So, in fact, uh, this is the very citation that I got that night. December 24th, 1994, at 11.35 at night. Same citation. He said, since you've been pleasant, I'm going to let you go spend Christmas with your family. So I get, we get to my aunt's house. You know the story. We get there and uh, have Christmas there. The next day, uh, my godparents, they're going back to the part of Louisiana where I was living at the time. And uh, just for some reason, I felt like I was supposed to go back with them. So I said, is it okay if I ride back with y'all? They said, yeah, that's fine. So I rode back with them that I went to sleep at their house. And um, that morning, my uncle, my godfather, he knocked on my room door. He said, John, they came for you. And I said, came for me? He said, yeah. He said, just about an hour after we left, the police department showed up with a SWAT team looking for you. And when the family said that you weren't there, they thought that they were lying. So they searched all under the beds, all in the house, all across the street, walking through the neighbor's yard and all of that, you see. They didn't like that they were made a fool of. But I was just following direction. Just let things happen the way that they're going to happen. Went to uh, a couple of days later on um, December 27th, I surrendered myself to the naval base in New Orleans. And of course, you know the story there. And from there, I was put in, in uh, the, the Orleans Parish Prison. And uh, I was there for about three weeks, a little bit over three weeks. Uh, at, during that time, the Navy had forgot about me. They just forgot that I was even, had even been arrested and put in the prison there. And, but I wasn't worried about it. I just knew that it was all a part of God's plan. I ended up running into a, a brother named Damon Causey who was in prison for murder, and he was eventually put on death row. Um, before I left there, he and I become really, really good friends. In fact, we're still friends to this day. We still write each other. And uh, he came to me before I left, and he said, I, I have a confession. Now, this was after he saw the power of God. You heard the things that it went on in there. If you haven't, you can listen to the message there. Um, modern-day Jonah, and he, he said, I have a confession to you, to make to you. He said, I'm the reason why you're here. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, before you came, and after I was arrested and put in this place, I prayed and asked God to send somebody to me that would make his power known and that would expound on his word. 
And he said, the next thing I know, you come. And uh, so that was the reason why I had to let things happen. Part of the reason why I had to let things happen the way that they were going to happen. Because if I had gotten smart aleck with the police officer, like what was in me to do, if I had argued with my aunt, which, which was in me to do, I would have went to jail in Lake Charles. Everybody understand? But I had to be obedient to end up in the exact place where the Lord wanted me to be. And from that time to this, that has been the saying that I have lived by. That angel told me, let things happen the way that they're going to happen. He didn't say, just for tonight. He didn't say, it, that will, what I'm saying to you, John, will expire in the next year or so. After that, you can just do what you want to do. He told me that, and I followed it from that point on. Let things happen the way that they're going to happen. And let me ask this question. Let me ask you all this question. What is the first commandment in the Bible? What's the first commandment? Who? No, that's not the first commandment. I'm talking about that's written in the Bible. Huh? Say what now? No. What say now? That's not the first one. That's the first one, the man. What's the, what's the first? Huh? No, that's not the first command that's written in the Bible. The first one, when you pick up your Bible and first started reading it, was the first thing the Bible says that God says. Let there be light. That's the first commandment in the Bible. Let there be light. Everybody see that? That's the first thing that is recorded that God ever says that's recorded. Everybody understand? The first thing that we read that God says, I'm sure it wasn't the first thing he said, but I'm saying the first thing that's recorded. Let there be light. He was talking to nature. And nature obeyed him. That word let is a powerful word. It means to allow without your interference. It means that something is already rolling, something is already in play. And you have one responsibility To let. That's your responsibility. Everybody understand? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the people that live in this world, they're going to be without excuse. When they go to hell, it's going to be because they've rejected God. Because even the firmaments of heaven declare of God that he exists. There's no such thing as an atheist. 
You cannot not believe something that you don't believe in. Everybody understand? The fact that you can argue against its existence says that it exists. Everybody understand? So the Bible says that, that people are going to be without excuse. In other words, if, when you read that in, in its context, in its proper context, what it is saying is it is impossible for you not to believe in God and for you not to serve him unless you purposely get in the way of it. Somebody that's just pure natured, don't have any bitterness, don't have any guile in their heart, if they keep living, they're going to see that God and they're going to know I'm supposed to worship that God. And they're going to flow with what God have programmed them to do. Everybody understand? The Lord himself said, it is not my will that any should perish. So if it's not his will, that means that when we were born, God's will was rolling in our lives that on a certain day, you're going to give your life to him. If the Bible says it's not his will, then any should perish. So why do people perish? Because they don't let. They get in the way of let. Everybody understand? If I didn't let that night, on December 24th, 1994, you all wouldn't be sitting here. It's amazing, some 25 years later, what let will produce. Everybody understand? A whole ministry with a bunch of changed lives all over the world. That's what let will do. So that's the first commandment. You know what else I love about that word let? God speaking to nature. We knew nature would obey him. But you see the word that he uses there. Let. Let there be light. Not I'm God and it better be light. You better obey me. Let there be light. And all through creation as he's creating this world and forming it and doing the things he's doing. You see that word over and over again. He uses let to create what the things that we see. And what happens in, in the beginning there, you don't see any turmoil. You don't see nature fighting against him. When he said, let there be light, the sun produced as much light, so much light in fact, that your eyes wouldn't be able to stand and look upon it for a, a, an extended amount of time without going blind. The sun did not halfway do it. It didn't say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to light up, but not, you know, uh, this, this is going to be a high electric bill. I'm, I'm going to put my own faders on. I don't want to blind people, so I, you know, I'm going just, to just, just fade on out just a little bit here. When the Lord said, let there be light, that sun came out full force with it. Full force. Everybody understand? So much so that we're millions of miles away from the sun and people can die from heat. 
Everybody understand? Millions of miles away from it. And people can die from it obeying God. Let there be light. That son did not consider anybody's feelings. It did not consider the future. I don't want to blind people, even though it has blinded people. It, it didn't consider anything but what his maker said. Let. Now, the thing, one of the things that I love about that, now here's the thing about it. It, it could either be a blessing to you or it can be a curse to you. That word let. God, when he speaks to mankind, he also says, let. We see the nature of God in that word. The first word that he speaks, we see his nature. We see his love in that word, let. Because he is a being that was never created, just existed. Existed, just no, then nothing was before him. And everything has to answer to him. And yet that word let is in his vocabulary. And what it is, he says, I have so much love for you that I'm going to start the first word you hear me say. The first word you read about me saying is going to be let. That's my nature. I got the power to make you serve me. And you won't know anything about it. I got the power to even take it out of your mind that you're being made to serve me. And you wouldn't know anything about it. But because I love you, I'm telling you, let. In other words, I set before you life and death. What does he say? Choose. Who? You choose. I, I created you. I can make you do what I want you to do. But because I love you. Now here's the thing. Isn't this something that God gets, God gets blamed for all the bad stuff that goes on in this world. When the reality is the world is in the shape it is in because of his love that is expressed to mankind through free will. We'd be complaining if we didn't have free will. And then we complain when we see the result of free will. Not God orchestrating all of this sin that we see. But we see the result of people not letting. Everybody understand? To me, the, the first time we read, what we read in that word, let there be light. That's enough for people to rejoice. That's enough, right? Just that alone, if you understand the depth of that, that ought to be enough to make you want to run to God. So God, you mean to tell me all this time? You've been allowing me to live in sin even though you've been waking me up. All this time, you've let me go my own way. That's not your will for me, for me to do what I want to do as far as sin is concerned. But you've been allowing it. God, thank you for not destroying me. 
when I was letting sin reign in my life. Everybody understand? If we will understand the depths of that word, if we would want to serve God with our whole hearts, how could you not want to serve somebody that has the power to destroy you and not answer nobody? He don't answer to anybody. Nobody can, who can bring God to court for murder? Everybody understand? God ain't never had to answer to nobody. But you know what our problem is? Pride. Let is God's way of saying, I want control. But that choice is up to you. And when we don't let what we're telling God is, Lord, my plan is better than yours. Let me try all of my stuff first. How many of you know that there are only two forces in this world? There are only two forces. Don't believe that lie that the devil is just some figment of somebody's imagination. He is a real being. Everybody understand? He is a, he's a real individual. Everybody understand? He is real. Now, if we understand that there are only two forces in this world, then if we're not letting God, then who are we letting? The devil. Now, here's how the devil appeals to pride, and this is why I say every sin at the root of every sin is pride. Here's how the devil get people caught up. God, when he says let, in other words, let me control your life, let me have your life, what he is in essence saying is, when you let me, you don't get credit for what I do in your life. You don't get to make your own decisions. And whatever good comes from the decisions, because you let me be in your life, that's because I decided, not you. You don't get credit for anything I do in your life. Nothing. All of the miracles, all, even all the hardships, is from me. So crucify your flesh, you don't get no credit when I'm in your life, when you've let me. That stops people at the door because people would like to have control. And even if they think they've surrendered to God, they still want credit for what God does. And after God get their attention however he chooses to, then they figure, well, you know what? No, mm -mm. You, you taking too much of my glory, Lord. I, I, I got this now. And that's when they get out fumbling the ball. That's God's MO. That's God's way of doing things. He lets you know up front, in me you live, you move, and you have your... It's all because of me when you let me. You, you ain't doing nothing. Let's, let's get that straight up front. 
You're not doing anything because I'm the one that come and live on the inside of you. That cursing tongue you had, you couldn't have done it without me. You couldn't have got over that without me. That fornicating, you couldn't have got past that without me. So when you let God, he takes credit for everything. And oftentimes what causes people to stumble after they start living for God is when they want to take credit for what he's starting to do in their life. When they want the glory in flesh. Now, that is the downside if you could say there is a downside. And let me explain why. Because the devil, when you decide, God, I don't want to let you, you're automatically telling the devil, so you come on in, devil, do what you do. That's automatic. Everybody understand that? Everybody do know there's no middle road there. You either yield it to God or you yield it to the devil. There, are, there is no in-between. Now, here's the difference. The devil is going to run you and he's going to operate in you the same way God would. The only difference is the devil will let you take the credit for it. Everybody understand? Whatever you accomplish in your flesh with the devil operating through you, the devil don't mind you taking credit. He don't mind you getting awards. I'm talking about the surface good stuff, what people consider good things, what people esteem high. He's the one that's operating through you, and he don't mind you taking the credit. So you see why it's important now for Christians to have zero pride? Zero pride. Everybody understand? Because that's what the devil appeals to. But why? Because when you're serving him, you don't know that you're still being, you're still letting. People that serve the devil, they think, they really believe I'm in charge of my own life. What is that saying? I'm the captain of my ship? I, I, I run my own life. Let me make my own choices. That's one of the biggest deceptions in this world. When you don't surrender to God, there's no way in the world you can make your own choices. The devil, your daddy, is the one making the choices for you. There's only two daddies. Everybody understand? There's only two of them. We think about that word let. I'm going to read a list of scriptures just to show you how common it is. Sometimes we read over it and, and we look right past the word let. Philippians 2 and 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind each esteem other better than themselves. Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12 and 9. Let love be without dissimulation. In other words, hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Ephesians 4 and 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
James 1 and 4, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting, in other words, lacking nothing. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Ephesians 4 and 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 1 John 3 and 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, when we talk about the word let, and you can just type it in your concordance or go look it up, you'll see just how many times God uses the word let. The word let means to yield. In other words, when I, if I let something, I'm yielding to it. Ecclesiastes 10 and 4 says, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacified great offenses. Whenever you see, so we all agree that word, that word let means to allow. Something is in motion, but you have to allow it to continue. You think about it like stopping up a sink. If you've got running water in it, when you stop up a sink, you stop it from flowing to, through the pipes. Everywhere you see the word let, let your light shine, let, you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. All of these words, what is that? It's talking to us as believers. No matter how much of a Christian you are, if you don't let, then you will not accomplish these things. Everybody understand? This Bible tells us to let, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from, uh, be put away from among you with all malice. That means if I don't allow God plan to work in my life and receive his word, if I don't allow it, I'm going to have bitterness. Some of you are struggling with anger, with malice, with bitterness, but you know deep in your heart you're a Christian and you wonder, why, Lord, are these things in my life? It's very simple. Because you're not letting you are purposely fighting against the change, the change that let would bring. Does everybody understand? When you become born again and you receive God's nature on the inside of you, you can't help but to be like, them, be like him. The only way you stop short of his glory, the only way you stop short of who he wants you to be is because you're not letting. The picture is this. 
you out in the middle of the ocean drowning somewhere and you're screaming for help. God sent his preacher out there to pull you out of that water of sin. But to do it, I have to wrap my arm around your neck and bring you in. But to you, it feels like you hurt me. I've been choked before and I don't like this feeling. So you start fighting the process of your salvation. So what I have to do then by command of my God is to let you go. Let you drink in some more of that water. Let you go under a few more times until you get desperate. And then when you ask for my help again and God give me the command, okay, go ahead and move forward. I'm going to grab you around your neck because that's what I was trained to do. The only way I can save you is by you allowing it. You know what that means? You have to stop fighting. You have to relax. Everybody understand? So all of these scriptures, we went over all these scriptures. Now, if you want a copy of them, uh, if you want a list of them, I'll, I'll send you a list, the, the list of these scriptures. And it's many more that's like that in the Bible. The only way you can grow in God in all of these scriptures, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Let patience have a perfect work. The only way you can have patience, the only way you can get rid of malice, all of these things that's not God's will is by letting. The idea is you can be a Christian and God will not force you to grow. You just keep falling over, bumping your head. But if you just, all that flailing that you were doing in the water, trying to save yourself, once you scream for help and your help come, just stop. Stop trying to kick. Let your arms relax, because you know they're tired. Let God bring you in. Everybody understand? That's what change comes. It, it ain't, it ain't, that's why you hear me say, it's not hard to live for God. It's not hard to live for God when you let. But if I got something on the inside of me that I don't want to let go of, I'm in trouble. The Lord have already said he will not dwell. His spirit won't dwell in an unclean temple. And if I want to hold on to uncleanness, then God will just step back and just let me do what I do. Let me get tired. And even then, some people so full of pride, they'd rather drown. Just to prove God wrong. I got it. I got it. I know how. Everybody understand? My parents were married for 50 years, so I know how to know. <laughs> no, you don't know how to be married. God knows how you're supposed to be married. Follow his word. 
Everybody understand? It's got a whole world of people going to hell for, for one simple reason, because they won't let. They won't yield to God's will. This is an auto. It's, oh, if I just say, God, I'm all yours. I'm all in. I'm not going to fight anymore. Whatever you, the Bible says, yield your members. All I got to do is yield. I can just put them up here on the table. God is the one that's going to pick them up. The only way they stay put when, when I've said that I've yielded to God is if I purposely. No, no, no. You can have my feet, but not my hands. I got to sit on them. I got to put all my weight on them. And once God sees that I'm fighting against him, he's going to step back. I don't want your feet either. If I can't have all of you, I don't want none of you. You have to do exactly what my word says, let. Everybody understand? That's when our change come, when we let. The only when I see believers that's been Christians for 5, 10, 20 years, and they ain't changed, I know what it is. You ain't letting. You still got some stuff on the inside of you that you ready to fight God about. And every time God comes for it and brings it out, you tell him, no, I'm not ready for that. Oh, you say something else with your mouth, but your actions show, I ain't, uh-uh. Everybody understand? You brothers that hunt, how many of you hunt in this congregation? How many of you remember what you all would ask me when you would go hunting? Or when you wanted to go hunting? What was the question you would ask? Brother Bolden, when are you going to come hunting with us? How many of you remember that being asked me and what my response was when somebody buy me a rifle? You see how I live by let? Is Brother Bolton poor? Well, I can't go and buy my own rifle. I got money. But I believe in letting. So we built a little shooting range on the property there and let some of the brothers shoot. And I took some pictures of the brothers in the ministry shooting at the target, having target practice. And I sent those pictures to several people that I know. And one of the brothers asked me that I sent it to, not, that, that's not here now. He asked me, he said, uh, Brother Bolton, did you shoot your rifle? I said, no, I didn't. I, you know, I, I didn't shoot it. He said, does your rifle have a scope on it? I said, no, it doesn't have a scope on it. It's just a 22. So then I get a message from him not long after that, saying, uh, Brother Bolden, take a picture of your rifle for me and send it to me. So I took a picture of it, sent it to him. And then he sent me a link, a couple of links, saying, this is the this is the scope that would go with your rifle. Then he sent me a link to a, a business, said, take your, take your rifle down to this business. I'm going to send you the money to buy a scope for your rifle, and you take it here and take it to this place, and I'll pay to have it put on. So he sent the money for me to get the scope. And I said, brother, that's a, that's a lot of money for a scope. <laughs> 
I said, I can buy a whole rifle with a scope for that amount of money. You know, if you know anything about scopes, you know they, you can pay over $1,000 for a scope. Or just ask God for some good eyesight. I said, so, I said, so if you don't mind, could I just go ahead and get a rifle with a scope? He said, yeah, brother, whatever you want to do. He said, I just wanted you to have a scope. But if you, can, if you can buy a rifle with a scope already, that's fine. You see what happens when you let? So I went down to the store. So here's the thing. I asked him, I said, so what do you think would be a good rifle? I said, since, you, since you're the one buying it, you, you pick it out. So he sent me a link. He said, this would be good for what you want to do. I said, okay, well, that's, he said, but you can get whatever you want to, Brother Bolden. You said, but I said, well, you know what? Since you chose that, that's what I'm going to get. You're the one that's buying it, so that's, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get that rifle with that scope. I went down. <laughs> now, that, that ain't even half the story. Went down to the store. I ordered the rifle online and had it shipped here locally because they did not have it in stock. Every day, several times during the day, I'm checking my email to see if my order had come in. My wife was, would tell you about that. Every day, I'm thinking, man, it ain't came in yet. And of course, you know, it was over the Christmas holiday, so you know the mail is running real slow. Finally, last Friday, I said, uh, Got an email, ready for pickup. I go down there strutting. About to, this is going to be a testimony. That, you know, I, I, uh, this right here is a testimony. I, you know, I, I did exactly what I felt led to do, and it, it has come to pass. I let, and somebody bought me a rifle. Get down there, they pull the rifle out, show it to me, you know, in the box. They run my background check. They say, everything come back fine. Just go up to the front of the store and pay for your background check, which is $10, and then we'll go from there. Go up to the front store, pay $10 for the background check. Then I get back, and they said, it's been denied. The FBI have denied you. Something in your past is not allowing us to sell you this rifle. They pull out a piece of paper. Now, they said this in front of people. They pulled out a piece of paper. They said, here's your, your appeal number. If you want to appeal it, you write down the rest of your information and fax it in. You're going to appeal it. And so I turn around, walk out the store. As I'm walking through the store, I remember the vision that I had just a couple of days before where I was walking through that same store and I had a weight on my back. And I'm walking through the store with this weight. And I understood in this vision that this weight was not heavy, but it was still present. So I walk out the store, I fax my appeal to the people. And uh, that same day, if I'm not mistaken, that was Friday. That's the reason why, if you remember last Friday when I was here, I said, I've had a long day. 
when I got, because when I got back from the store, my wife was in pain and stuff. I had to deal with that as well. You know, I, I did not like what my wife was going through, and I also didn't like the feeling that I had of being denied. So, Sister Carrie, come up here for a second here. What does that say right there? Three twenty-nine ninety-nine. That's how much I paid for the rifle. What's the bottom sentence right there? What does that say? Three fifty-two sixteen. Three sixty-two. Oh, sixty-two. Okay, so you stay right there. So that's how much I paid for the rifle. I paid for it in advance for them to order, you know, for it to be shipped to the store. So when I was denied, they gave me a refund. I sent in my appeal, and I was calling them every day. And I was asking them, so that not, over the phone, they're not supposed to tell you why you were denied. It's one of those kind of bureaucracy type of things, but they can't tell you over the phone. We can kick you, but we ain't going to tell you why. So, every day I'm calling, is, am, you know, have y'all overturned it? What's going on? Nope, still looking like it's denied. So one day I felt an unction to call, because I, I, every time I would call, I said, you know, I'm going to just leave it alone. I'm not going to bother these people. But one day, I, I felt like I was supposed to call. So I called. I got a lady on the phone. She said, uh, she asked for my number, my appeal number. I gave it to her. She said, uh, it looks like you were court-martialed. But we don't know the reason why. We don't know what kind of discharge you got. And she said, and I say, so I, I got a bad conduct discharge. I said, is that, would that stop me? She said, no. She said, a dishonorable discharge would, would get you denied, but not a bad conduct discharge. She said, but we can't see what kind of discharge you got. She said, so can you fax us in your DD-214, in other words, your discharge papers that show it? I said, yes, ma'am, I can. I faxed it in. They call back and say, okay, we got it. Everything should be fine. The next day, still didn't hear anything from them. So then I call. I felt led again to call back. I called back again. She said, um, yeah, okay, we got your paperwork, but it looked like you got something else on your record. And there's no disposition. We don't know. All we see is that you were arrested. We don't know what happened with this case. She said, and I called your county. And she said, I seriously doubt that they're going to respond with your disposition. She said, would you happen to have your paperwork on that? I said, yes, ma'am, I do, right there in my filing cabinet. I said, I haven't seen it in years, but I believe it's still there. Went and got the paperwork that shows that the charge was dismissed, faxed it in. And then she said, you called me back this afternoon. We should have it overturned. So I went back. I called back. She said, yeah. I said, so did y'all overturn it? She said, yeah, it's overturned. She said, I sent it at 3.30. You should be able to go pick up your rifle. So I called the store. Have y'all gotten my overturn yet? 
They looked, checked, went, had to go to the store office to check. Yeah, we just got it. You can come on up and get it. So I asked my wife, I said, you feel like riding with me? She said, yeah, I'll go with you. Because you've, you've really worked hard. Now, this was over a week of going back and forth with these people, faxing paperwork and all of that. Got there, got the rifle. They walked me up to the front of the store with it. They punched in the numbers. Read that number there, Sister Carrie. The top one right there. 164.98. That's what I paid for the rifle. They scanned it. That's what it came up. I said, no, I don't think. I think it's about 362. And the guy that was holding the rifle, you know, the one of the managers, he said, yeah, it's supposed to be more than that. So they called in all kind of people. They went over to another desk, did punch numbers in, going on a computer researching. They said, it looks like this rifle just went on clearance. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can go sit down now. So it looks like it's half off now. So it had three employees there. Said, well, you know what? We're going to go see if we can find one. And I said, uh, so yeah, do I get a party now? You know, because the guy was saying, well, you know, he was telling another guy, well, you know, he's the one that caught that because the guy that was holding it, he, was, he, he wasn't going to say nothing. He didn't know what, you know. And then, of course, I, when, of course, when I got it home, I said, let me make sure they didn't sell me a BB gun. <laughs> let me make sure I'm not the one that's been tricked. <laughs> Half off. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If I thought that they wouldn't have took that rifle back for me being crazy, I would have danced all up and through that store. <laughs> like, no, I'm Lord, just hold my feet, hold my hands. I'll praise you when I get out of here. <laughs> this whole process, I didn't get, now this was just last night, just, just last night. This whole process, I didn't get frustrated. I felt like whatever is going on, to me, if it would have remained denied, I would have just, just let, not meant for me to go hunting deer. I'll stick with the little rabbits and roaches with my little 22. I'm give me a hammer and see if I can knock me a deer out. <laughs> and I got many, 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 many more stories just like that one. But that's just the most recent one from last night. When you let God his plan is always better than yours. When I first went, when I first got the rifle, a week ago today, when I went up there to pick it up, I had a choice whether or not I was going to get a refund. 
because I could have, they, they told me we'll keep it for 30 days. Nobody will be able to purchase it because just in case your case is overturned, it'll be here for you. My thought was originally, I will not get a refund because I know more than likely I'll be coming back for it because I really shouldn't have been denied. Now, I'm not speaking against their process. I understand what their process is. But something told me, go ahead and get your refund. I got the refund. If I had not got the refund, I, I would have paid full price for it. It was already paid for. But I went on ahead and got the refund. And then when I paid for it again last night, I only had to pay half price. This is the life of a believer who lets. You don't force God. I can promise you this. I can promise you this. Because the truth of the matter is, they don't have clearances for rifles. They just had to come up with something to let me walk out that store with it. And they were going through trying to, they couldn't even find what the original price was on it. If I would have complained, if my heart wouldn't have been right in this process, I'd have paid full price. But I am telling you this, that was God's stamp. When you let me grow you, when you let me handle my business, you'll always come out on top. It'll always happen, and you'll see the blessing in it. I didn't go back and then, you know, and then it was the sale was off and I had to pay 500 for it. It went in the opposite direction. The blessings are in letting God. Not in God wrestling with you and you finally getting a lesson. But you know why? Because you have to pay full price when, if God have to wrestle you. The Bible says, let patient, patience have her perfect work. And that's what I was doing all last week. Letting patience. Everybody understand? So last night I get the rifle home. I'm all giddy. Very, very giddy. I get the rifle home, I put it in the in the gun safe. This morning, the Lord reminded me of a prayer that I had prayed a few weeks ago before any rifle ever came up. The prayer was this. My predecessor, who you all know, don't want to say his name now. My predecessor, all the rifles he had were bought for him. And he had one main rifle that he used to hunt big game. He had a 22 that he used to hunt rabbits and squirrels, and he had another rifle, but I didn't know what that rifle was. And, and my prayer was this, Lord, if it's time for me to step out like that, then you let somebody buy me a rifle, just like his was purchased for him. So the Lord reminded me of that prayer And then he let me know, you see how I answered your prayer? 
And then he continued to nag me about it. And he said, not only that, go look and see what rifle it was that he hunted big game with. So I went and looked it up. Same exact rifle. You know why? Because I let that brother choose what rifle. That would not have been my first choice. You see how God's plan is weaved in and out, in and out, in and out when we let, and if we interfere in any capacity, we will miss the blessing. We will miss the miracle in it. Everybody understand? And the biggest miracle, of course, is our lives being changed and having a testimony to help change other people. We'll go far in God when we let God. Everybody understand? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this message that we've heard tonight. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us plainly what you have to say. And God, we ask that you will help us all to let you be God in our life and to continue, Lord, to yield our members as members of instruments of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for being God to us and for guiding us, Lord. Lord, our prayer is that you will make yourself plain to us, Lord. Help us to see you, Lord, and to have faith in you so that we can let you. Help us not to question the path, Lord, that you have us on. Help us, Lord, not to doubt. Help us not to try to come up with our own plans and our own ideas. And in those times, Lord, where we are tempted to walk our own way and to trust our own flesh, Lord, I ask you in your grace and mercy that you will remind us of the fruit of what our flesh and our own decisions got us. Lord, I pray that this message will penetrate the hearts of the people who have heard it and that it will forever change their lives. Lord, pray, Lord, that you will allow us all to let, to yield ourselves, Lord, without compromise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. If that's all now, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>